Blog Talk Radio. Tell you, my friend 
adore this man. The music guy, Christopher Plain, sent me that piece of music, oh, about 4.30, 5 o'clock this afternoon. He said, Yvonne, check this out. I think you'll like it. Well, I saw the title off the chain, and I went, okay, let me listen to it. It's by a young man by the name of Jamie Lee Thurston. And when I heard the song, I said, yep, I'll be playing this song as my opening song tonight and probably every night for a while because not only is this show off the chain, but Mr. Jamie Lee Thurston is off the chain. This is an absolutely an amazing song, and I love it. It it says it all about this show because those of you who have followed me know that we are indeed off the chain. We do some pretty crazy things around here. So, Jamie Lee Thurston, if you're listening, even if you're not listening, I'm sure some of your friends are, we just debuted your song tonight, and we love it. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to tell you, I am I am so blown away. I am so tired tonight. My youngest granddaughter got married, and I'm exhausted, but we're here tonight because of you, each and every one of you. Y'all have made a commitment to support this show, and I've made a commitment to keep the show going, and, and it's paid off. Right now, just the show by itself, just just the show, we're at 124,972 listeners. Now, now, just think about that just a minute, 124,972 listeners, and we haven't even made it two years yet. We won't be two years old until the end of July, which is next month. But, And I've been off the show for a while. You know, when my husband was in the hospital, I, I had to reschedule a bunch of shows. Y'all kept the show going. And Australia, I love you. Y'all are absolutely some of the most amazing listeners that we have. Ladies and gentlemen, Australia is our biggest listening base on this show. So I have to give a shout-out to the Teskey Brothers, who sound like they need to be down in the Mississippi Delta or on Bourbon Street, but they're a blues uh, band out of Australia. And when you rack up Eric Clapton and B.B. King and... um, um, I just went brain stupid, Johnny Lang, Robert Johnson, and a few of the old blues artists, and you roll them all up together, you've got the Teskey Brothers. If you haven't heard them, go and find them and listen to them because they are absolutely amazing. So go for it, Teskey Brothers, and thank you, Australia. Tonight, I want to start the show off with our sponsors. We have two new ones, two brand-new sponsors. They both have been on the show. The first one is Arthur J. Traveler Pelton, and she has a series, a trilogy out, and it's the Oberlin Trilogy, and it goes like this, and we lost her caller. Hopefully, she will call back in. In 2018, the Oberlins are a shadow family. The parents, Noel and Violet, along with their children, are very close-knit in more ways than one. They all work for the family firm. The children are supposed to take over the firm after the brothers return from their hitch with Uncle Sam, so the parents, as all parents, can retire. But things go south real fast when a savage virus is turned loose on the unsuspecting public. Join the Oberlins as they set out to make the world a safer place. J. Traveler Pelton, author of The Infant Conspiracy, can be found on Amazon, the Oberlin Trilogy. Also, I want to welcome... Another newcomer to the show, he has also been on the show, John Isaac Jones. 
He wrote the cutest little book called Alabama Stories. It's a bunch of short stories, and they're written through the eyes of a 12-year-old boy. And the area that he wrote these stories from, I've been to that part of Alabama, and I thought that he had taken me back there. I could I could see it in my mind's eye. So check out Alabama Stories by John Isaac Jones. It's on Kindle. And leave, leave, on these books I'm telling you about, please go and leave a review when you finish them. Also tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Cece Chamberlain. She has this wonderful podcast that you you feel so good after you have been on her show. You want to go out and conquer the world. It's called Inside Your Life with Cece. It's a motivational, passionate conversation where she interviews people who are living their true purpose, whether it's a boxer, author, history enthusiast. She doesn't matter. Cece strives to give one hope for a brighter day with her inspirational words. So download, subscribe, and listen as Cece guides you to pursue your dreams for you to live your best life possible. She can be found on podcast.com, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere podcasts are available. And once again, Australia, thank you. Author Diane Mode, who's been on the show a couple of times, has a series out. It's the Sam Holden series. The first one in the series was Dogfight. The second one in the series, I mean, the first one in the series is Dog Gone. The second one is called Dogfight. And because Australia is such a wonderful, wonderful supporter of this show, her books went to number one out of Australia. Thank you, Australia. Y'all are amazing. But the second in the series is called Dogfight, and it goes like this. Wherever a helpless animal whimpers in the dark and wherever the system fails to protect an animal, she'll be there, and she isn't giving up anytime soon, so you've been warned. When Sam Holden receives a tip about a brutal dog fighting ring, she embarks on some of her most dangerous acts of vigilantism yet. The monster known as the puppeteer circles Sam's world as she unknowingly circles his. And while they chase each other, will that put Sam put those that Sam loves most in harm's way in order for her to break up the ring? With time running out and animals in need, the dangerous life Sam's created begins to eclipse any other life she could ever lead. Dogfight and Doggone by Diane Mode, available on Kindle. Go and get it today and no, not right now, because we are going to have an amazing show. Sauter's been very, very patient with me. I've had her on the books, it seems like, forever and a day. She writes for young adult, and her name is Lark Griffin. That's the name she writes under. You might know her as Robin, uh, excuse me, Noons, but she writes under Lark Griffin. And she likes to bring her sense of adventure to her writing. The last time I checked, I was still here, was the first book that Lark put out. And it's about a young adult coming of age. And her most recent publication, The Starfish Talisman, is a good old-fashioned ghost story, also a young adult. Now, Lark, we were talking before the show. This woman is amazing. Just, I don't I don't know where, A, she gets her energy, and B, how she fits all of this into her life. Because not only is she a wife, a mother, a teacher, she collects hobbies like most people collect friends. When she's not writing, not teaching, she's hiking, kayaking, scuba diving, camping, cave diving, rappelling, zip lining. The woman's got more energy than the Energizer Bunny, and I'm I'm going to introduce her now because she says the man that she's married to is amazing. 
She has two children, a precocious golden doodle named Maggie and a psychotic tabby cat named Dickens. I want to hear about the tabby cat. I want to see why he's psychotic. <laughs> Maybe they're terrible. But without further ado, let us all welcome author Lark Griffin with us tonight. Thank you, Lark, for coming. I am so happy you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right, let's let's go back in history. Let's step in our time machine because you tell me before the show you listen to a couple of my shows, and you know I like I like to delve into the deep and dark parts of people's life's history. That's what I do, and inquiring minds always want to know. When you were a wee child, did it ever occur to you that you was going to write the rest of your life? that you were going to do all these amazing things, or was it just part of the journey? Um, well, as a wee child, I was somewhat protected. Um, I was ill. I just had to croup. I, I got sick a lot. So my mother wouldn't let me camp because she thought I would die. So I, I got I got help. Um, my parents were both artists in the 60s. So other than that, they, they turned us loose. Uh, I mean, I traipsed through the woods, built forts, I ran with the boys, I did things that, you know, kids today aren't allowed to do. And uh, we keep losing you for some reason, my dear. Wait, ladies and gentlemen, we keep losing Lark. She'll call back in a minute. But let's, while we're waiting on Lark to call back, she and I were talking before the show, and she ziplines. I have ziplined. There she is. It's just the most amazing thing. We will we will pick this conversation right back up. Uh, if you didn't want to talk to me, you didn't have to drop the call. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps dropping. I'm going to change locations here. So, um, so, so I, I like you said, my parents were, were became bohemian artists in the '60s. They let me kind of kind of run wild and free. And then when I got a little older, I started writing about stuff. Um, one of the things I used to do to my poor parents is I used to cry myself to sleep because I wanted a dog and I wanted a horse, and I wasn't allowed to have either one of them. So I'd write stories about this horse, this imaginary horse. And I even hate to admit what I what I called it. And the horse's name was Golden Sunshine, and and we always rode off into the sunset. And I, I from that point on, I just always always wrote, always wrote things down, but never, never made it to putting it out there in front of people. So what made you go into teaching? I just find that it's a very honorable, thank God for teachers. It's an honorable profession, but in this day, and I've had some great teachers, I've had some shitty teachers, but I've also had some great <laughs> teachers. And and but in this day and age, when you can't, if if you love teaching and you're not able to teach because you have to teach to the test, how in the <sighs> world have you managed to stay there? And what made you go in that profession? So so my parents not only were artists, they were college professors. And all my life, my dad told me, whatever you do, don't be a teacher. So um, I, I like the idea of being a teacher. And I had an amazing teacher when I was in high school. Um, she was an English teacher, Mrs. Tussing, who has since passed away. Um, but she, she encouraged my writing, 
and she encouraged me as a teacher, to be a teacher, and she allowed me to come back to work with her classroom when I was in college, and it just was a natural step for me. I'm kind of bossy, and I'm kind of, um, in, I like to be in control of things, and I, I make rules, ask my family. Um, in fact, they're accustomed to hearing ding, 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 new rule, and of course they scoff at me and walk away, but, um, and so it, it's kind of perfect for me, and I, and I love I love helping kids. Um, not only do I teach, my husband and I are, are Boy Scout leaders. Our, my our youngest son is, you know, an Eagle Scout. And and so we not only do I work with teaching with kids, I work with the Boy Scouts with kids because, you know, a lot of our kids out there, they don't have they don't have the support. They don't have people to be there to help guide them, to help show them, you know, how to make good choices and also to forgive them when they mess up. And so, you know, it just it came naturally to me. I, I love teaching. I love doing what I do. I, I, I get frustrated. I get angry at the system, but I find ways around it. I find ways of making it work for me. Um, and at the end of the day, I, right now I'm teaching um, you know, juniors and seniors, and at the end of the day, I tell my kids, English is really important. Um, Shakespeare is terribly important. <laughs> but what's more important is, <laughs> is that you, you learn how to figure out what is important, you learn how to budget your time. You learn how to um, make those choices, do what you say you're going to do, say what you're going to do, and do it, and, and, and things will follow, and you'll be good in life. And, and teaching English helps them in that I need you to do this. I need you to hit a deadline. I need you to kind of dig in and look for some secrets because in your job you may have to dig in and, and look for some secrets and look for things that make things tick. So it's not really about, you know, it's not really about the green light at the end of the dock in Gatsby. I mean, who cares about that metaphor? But it's about digging for secrets, and it's about, you know, meeting a deadline. And it's about, and now I teach a lot, I teach online. And so now it's about for my students to, to you know, self-motivate and, and not procrastinate and get things in on time. I teach at a career technical school, so my kids are in welding programs and auto tech. And so Ooh. they don't have to sit in my classroom I go to them and I say, what you know? What do you don't what don't you understand? What do you need help with? You know, all of my content is online, so I have to write what I would normally say, and and I help them one on one, but that frees them up to do you know their internships and to do you know be out in the work world and to you know where it really is at. So I told them, you know, if you don't get the metaphor, I'd like you to. I'd like you to find it. That'd be cool. But if you learn how to live life and if you learn the lessons that that the authors teach you. Like Scarlet Letter, yeah, it's, I teach that. Yeah, it's an old story, but it's a story about people treating people with respect and, and or not, and, and and being punished for you know, stupid choices that you may have made, you know. And and do we we really want to treat people like that now? And you know, I try to bring it to to their real life. We talk about bullying. We talk about, you know, why do we do the things we do with each other? You you made a statement. No, no, you made it. You made several statements that that I wanted to come back and address. One, Shakespeare. I never appreciated Shakespeare until I became a senior in high school, and I had yeah. that English teacher, who not only mm-hmm. loved teaching English, but she loved teaching literature, and she brought Shakespeare alive. She brought Julius Caesar alive in a way that nobody else ever has before or since. Nice. Nice. And she made me appreciate the classics because, like you said, there's so much 
in Julius Caesar, there's betrayal, there's love, there's greed, there's politics, there's corruption, there's self-centeredness, there's selfishness, there's all the, the deadly sins and then some. But you have to dig for them. You have to get past right. the, the the language and, and let it speak to you. And then you brought up um, the nuggets, looking for things. Mm-hmm. If I could go back and have a teacher like you, I think that I would have been on a roll in high school as opposed to graduating with honors in college because I had to read in college I had to read this book that was written in the early 1900s and this it was written by a woman and I'm reading it for English and I'm raising Cain at my mother because I hate the book it's stupid it made no sense <laughs> and she said to me Vaughn open your mind mm-hmm. open your mind and read with an open mind and now that was sage advice because I was getting my degree in criminal justice. So what I did is I said, okay, I'm going to do what she said. And I had to do two papers, one on this book and one in my criminal justice class on suicide, women's suicide. Mm-hmm. The book was about a woman committing suicide in the early 1900s. Wow. It, they ran parallel. Right. But it was it was what you just said – Take the time to look for the nuggets. Take the time to have an open mind and learn things. Right. And and a lot of times, and, and, and you can't necessarily blame teachers because teachers have, like you said before, so much piled on them that they have to do, that they don't get to teach. But so many of the things that we're required to read, required to teach, if you can find that parallel that touches that student's interest, for instance, like a welder, okay, it may be, it may be really tough to find that that parallel between welding and and Othello, but but somewhere in there somehow there's a working person, there's someone who's not part of maybe you know the management team, and so how do you relate to that, and how can you you know take that nugget? And the other thing that teachers or maybe the state doesn't realize is that sometimes they're just not ready. When you hit college, you were starting, you learned to open your mind. These kids, I mean, let's face it, they've got a lot on their mind. And, yep. and, some of, and, what, and what people don't realize, yeah, some of my kids have a lot on their mind. Yeah, sex, drugs, I mean, all of these things that we, we talk sex, about. Sex, drugs, today, and rock and roll. Also, <laughs> rock and roll. But they also have on their mind the fact that they're living in the backseat of a car because they don't have a home. Correct. They also have on their mind that their mom and dad lost their job, their baby brother doesn't have any food, and they're working to try to bring home you know, money so that their baby brother can eat. These are our kids in this country, and they don't, you know, they don't really care about, you know, they don't care about the metaphors in Gatsby. They don't. No, for, and, for, and it's forget. not important when you're, yeah. Forget now, all they now. want to do is learn how to weld so they can go from making 10 bucks an hour to making 12 bucks an hour. Exactly. Or or our guys coming out making, you know, they'll be making $30, $40 an hour, and it's a good living. And you know what? You didn't have to go into, into debt. For hundred thousand dollars, and my exactly. kids are walking out with jobs. And gotta so love I teach them. Yeah, gotta love textbook. And I tell my kids, okay, I want you to read the literature because I have to have you read the literature. And literature is important and will open your mind and will give you peace if you let it. But I want you to learn how to write an email. I need you to be able to communicate with a customer and with your boss. So right now, my job as your English teacher is to help you communicate effectively. 
then I've done my job. Now the state's going to want you to, you know, be able to spew out, you know, what's the subject, what's the verb, what's the gerund. You don't care. You need to write succinctly in that email. You need to be able to read a lease. And so, and, 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 you know, and not say, "Hey, bro, what's 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 hanging here?" <laughs> <laughs> and please, translation please, is please, please, capitalize <laughs> your personal pronoun. I please do not text to me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I so get it. I, the, and and sadly, they also need to learn to write cursive because you can't print oh, your name on a contract. It's illegal. <laughs> Yeah, but don't you realize that cursive is going to be our like our secret code because nobody was yeah. able to read it. So you and I can still write, and we still never have a clue. Here we go. What the, what what foreign language is this? What <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. yep. Oh, I wish it's I had had a teacher like you. Oh, well, I really thank do. You. Thank I, you. I think that I would have. I, I did decent in high school. I didn't go back to college until I was fifty-two, fifty-three, but. And I graduated with honors because by the time mm-hmm. I was that old, I, I understood life in some perspective, and I exactly. wanted to learn. I couldn't get enough. But if I had, if I had had some of the encouragement that I know you give your students, I probably would have started writing earlier. I probably would have pursued other dreams earlier, as opposed to being stupid and young and and all that in in, <laughs> in the same genre. Because but you, but, you have a love for making our future solid. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but but stupid and dumb is what gives you the great ideas when you're older. What you write about, and that's the <laughs> other thing that we forget. We that all. Is true. I mean, we, that have, is we have to come up. We have to come off our high horse because we have such high expectations of our kids. But do we really want them to know what we did? No. I mean, no. No. <laughs> but we can use a pen name and write about it. <laughs> so. And nobody will know the difference. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, children, don't get any idea. Your mamas and dads are perfect. Trust us. They're perfect. They, yes, they, they didn't are. do anything dumb and stupid. No, they really didn't. Fingers no, crossed. jumping off that porch was not a problem. We never did that. <laughs> I never did that, no. Mm-mm. No. I'm, I'm going to take a quick break, run a few, couple of ads, and then we're going to come back and talk to author Lark Griffin because we, we didn't even scratch the surface, ladies and gentlemen, and, and we're having a ball. And this young woman says, I'm kind of nervous. She ain't nervous now because she's into this, and so am I. So we will be right back. This is Off the Chain with your host, Yvonne Mason, and my guest, author Lark Griffin. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? <coughs> Are horses your new best friend? <coughs> Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? <coughs> no, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure, available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. A struggling city, its beloved baseball team, an antique camera, 
and photos from that camera that bear an image from the pit of hell, an entity only a select few can see. Journalism professor Buddy Cullen is determined to track this demon down. But who is the hunter and who is the prey? And who will be the next target of mankind's mortal foe? Mortal Foe, available at Amazon.com. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Thought series, and the Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. So peace and love from Winona and Jade and our books. (laughs) (laughs) You so silly. You silly. Remember Did you write that? That's funny. <laughs> Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. And we are back. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, Arthur Law. La- La- I can't talk. Lark Griffin. <laughs> and I wanted to welcome, y'all notice there was a new ad in there. I wanted to out- welcome a new sponsor, Marty uh, Poplet. He is the author of Mortal Foe, and I forgot to tell all of y'all at the top of the hour that there are two ways to get on this show. And ladies and gentlemen, we are we are well into December bookings. We are getting ready to start booking for the first of the year. In fact, I've already booked some for January. But there's two ways to get on the show. One, you can come on the show as a guest, whether you are an author, an artist, a, a musician, you have a political cause, you have a passion, you have a cause, I don't care. That's why we call it Off the Chain. Or you can become a sponsor on the show. And I'm not in it to get rich. I don't want to get rich. But for 10 bucks for 30 days, and no matter how many shows I have in that 30 days, for 10 bucks, I'll run your ad. And if I have to reschedule a show, as most of you know, my husband is very ill. If I have to reschedule a show, the ad follows the show. So you will get your 30 days' worth of shows. And most of you know I have between four and five shows a week. So at, at minimum, you're going to get exposure of 16 shows. Think about that. 200 countries, 200,000 listeners, 16 shows, a 35, 45-second ad. Yeah, you're going to get exposure. All you have to do, whether to become a guest or whether to place an ad, is contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com or friend me on Facebook, and I'll tell you how you need to do it. It's real simple, real simple. You can do it in MP3 format or you can send it to me in written form and I'll take care of it. I'll send you an invoice through PayPal, and we're good to go. And with that being said, we are talking with Arthur Lark Griffin, and she is a teacher, and I wish I'd had her when I was in high school and grammar school because I probably would be so much more grounded than I was when I started college at 52 and felt like such an idiot, and thank God I had good professors in college. And we're talking about our future. And our future is our children. And Lark is so involved not only in teaching our future but in working with the Boy Scouts. And and thank you for doing that, Lark. My son was in scouting as a young man. And when I heard that your son was an Eagle Scout, it just made my heart swell with pride because the Boy Scouts are one of the best organizations in the world. I worked real close with him when my son was small. And it, it taught him a lot. Yes, it does. Yes, it teaches it does. loyalty. It teaches perseverance. It teaches structure. 
Boy, there's mm-hmm. a word. <laughs> Structure. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it teaches compassion. It teaches survival. Yeah, and grit. Grit is, yeah, that's, in fact, this, coming up next weekend, um, my husband and I and, and some other adult leaders, we're t- 43 of us are going up to Canada to a Boy Scout camp there, and we're going to be on an island. It would be just us on the island. And there's, you know, there's no electricity, no running water, no building, no latrine, no anything. And we're going to, you know, hang out for eight days, and it's in a camp, so we'll canoe across the, the lake and, and go do activities. But, you know, we have to bring all of our own food, and we have to do all of our own survival. And, and our kids are used to it. They know how to do it. They know how to do it in the rain. You know, they went backpacking last weekend, pouring rain the whole time, and, and they, they did great. They just suck it up, buttercup, and they do what they need to do. I love it. I absolutely love it because I think that sometimes our our children are too soft. I grew up tough. Yes, thank you. You sound like yep. you grew up tough. They're, they're, I, I'm a I'm a post World War II baby, so you know how tough that was. Times were mm-hmm. tough, and yep. I grew up I grew up to be resilient, to be determined, to be stubborn, to be hard-headed, to have a stick and And sadly, I, I think that our, some of our young people today hold their hand out and say, oh, wow, well, I can't have my way. I'm going to go suck an egg in a corner or something. Exactly. If Armageddon, if Armageddon came, they'd be cowering in a corner somewhere where people like your son would be going, okay, let's go out here and dig this latrine and find us some food and we'll live. You know, it's funny. I had a student one time. We were doing the survival unit, and we talked about if you know this happened, and you had to do this, this, and this. You know, what would you do? And this this girl looked at me, and she says, "I would die." I'm like, "Wait, what?" She goes, "I I would die." I said, "No, no, no. You fight. You figure out what you need to do, and you fight for yourself." She goes, "No, I I, I wouldn't." I'm like thinking, Why? how sad that you've given up. You've given up before you're even in the situation, and it's that stayed with me. And this was, I mean, that was many, many years ago this happened. It stayed with me. And I, I know that both my boys would never, ever give up, nor would they give up on themselves or anyone that is there with them, that they would do what they needed to do to survive to the very last fiber of their being. And that's what I want. I want all of our kids to have that, that ability or at least that, that thing inside them that says, I'm not going to quit. I have, you want to hear my crazy theory? I have a crazy theory. I, because I teach, I, had, I teach these kids who don't do their homework, or they, you know, they, they refuse to do this, and we're seeing grades falling. And we go, oh, it's TV, oh, it's social media, oh, it's all of these things that's it's ruining our kids. And I, I ask the question, how many kids today have to make their bed? Now, I don't want to sound like some like old person, you know, make your bed, but seriously, do they have to make their beds? Do they have to eat something that they don't like? Now, I'm the most finicky eater in the world, but I went hungry. My mom didn't make me something different. Um, do they have to do any chores? Or if there's something they don't like, do they have to, oh, well, still do it? Their life is managed by their parents, by their coaches, play dates, by their, they don't have to go out into the into the woods and, and you know, go play. They don't have to go out on a, on a playground and choose teams and be the last one chosen because it's all done for them. And so they don't have to do anything they don't want. And that means they don't have to do homework because I don't want to. And if they have to survive, and they might have to get dirty, or they they don't want to, and that scares me for our kids. That's sad. 
but it's the, it's the reality out there. And then I remember the, we have a lot a lot of kids who will fight and who are who are working and trying to get. Don't get me wrong. I remember my mother. I remember my mother telling me when I was a child. And and it, it, the things that my mother I could write thing a book called things my mother taught me. But one of the things she taught me was, and she was a she grew up during the Second World War. I mean it, that that was part of her life. And one of the things that she taught me was, you do the mundane things because it teaches you discipline. Exactly. You make the bed, you do the chores, you eat the things you don't like particularly because someday you may have to eat something that you really don't like in order to keep from starving to death. Exactly. You know, it, it's funny. It, it kind of segues into some of the, the adventures that I, I have. But and you talk about, you know, discipline. When I was a little girl, um, I had all my little swimming lessons like all little girls should, and I learned to swim. And then when I was in seventh grade, one of my friends drowned in a pond that we used to swim in. I wasn't there when it happened, but he drowned. His, he drowned in his brother's arms, and they were racing and cramped up, and he drowned. It terrified me as a child. That one of my friends at that age died. I mean, died. And so I became terrified of water. Terrified. Wouldn't, I mean, didn't want to get my face wet for any reason. This led on into my adulthood. Well, I took a marine biology class in college and was fascinated by that whole thing. And long story short, I won't go into all the details, but I decided one day I wanted to be a The problem is I couldn't put my face in the water. So that was kind of a, a barrier to doing that. And I realized I wanted this very badly. So I started again as an adult taking swimming lessons. And it took everything that I had to do that, to put my face in the water, to overcome that fear. And it took that discipline to practice. Well, I became a swim instructor. I became a lifeguard. I became a scuba diver. I became a scuba instructor. I became, and, and so all of that came. But it all because somewhere when I was a kid, my family my, my instilled discipline and grit and made me realize that I can do whatever I decide to do. No matter how frightened I am, no matter how the things might be stacked against me, if I want it badly enough, I can make it happen. And I, I wish I kids had more of that because I don't know that they all do. No, they don't, and that's the sad thing is they don't. And just like the young girl that told you that she would give up and die, she hadn't even faced mm-hmm. adversity, and she already no. doesn't have the courage to turn that bend in the corner of the road. Exactly, at, 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 you know, a ninth grader who just said, "Oh, I, how I, sad!" I would die. Yeah. Hopefully, she she you know grew up a little bit and realized that you know there was more to live for than that. And, and it wasn't that she was, it wasn't she was depressed or just, she was just so overwhelmed with the idea that, wait, I'd have to, I I'd have to sleep on the ground and I would wouldn't get a shower. I would die. No, honey, you're not going to die if you don't get a shower. Trust me. Dirt you're doesn't not kill you. <laughs> Dirt no, kill you. <laughs> no, it doesn't kill you. It makes you stronger. What Vic said, bears. Bears will kill you. But other than that, you're good, you know? <laughs> well, my husband and I were talking about that the other day and that, that a lot. I grew up my grandmother's house. She had a garden. Every morning she went and she worked that garden before she went to work. It was a discipline. She worked that garden. That that garden was our, our life source. Well, when mm-hmm. when 
my children were small, I had a garden. We worked that garden. That was their that was their life source. That was their food. If they if we didn't work the garden, the weeds took it over. And if the weeds took it over, they had no food for the winter. My children yep. would survive. All three of them would survive. My yep. grandchildren would survive because they that was passed down to them. They know how to work. They know how to go out and and do what they need to do to survive. And and when I see, bless her hearts, the the little girl like the the ninth grader, where they want to just roll up in a ball, I'm going. But there's so much out there. Exactly. Oh, there's a there's all kinds of good stuff out there. There's so much to do. There's so much to play with. You know? Yeah, really. As in writing yep. books, teaching, and hiking, and kayaking, and scuba diving, and camping, and ziplining. Yep. And, and and before the show, we talked about ziplining. You and I both have ziplined. And tell the audience what you said about ziplining. It's like flying free. It's like, oh, your soul just soars. It's the best. And and ladies and gentlemen, you're up and you're either over the trees or you're in the trees, mm-hmm. and you get to see the world. From the birds, literally from a bird's eye view, right? Yep, exactly, exactly. Oh, and the wind going through your hair as you just—we did it down a—we did it down a ski hill, um, and it was—it was astounding. The best part I is, did it. come on, you got to hurry, you got to hurry, you got to get up this tower because there's a bear down there. So hurry up and get up there. <laughs> So I did. did it through the rainforest in Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. I'm seriously jealous. <laughs> that sounds amazing. It, it's it was and it was the first time I'd ever done it. There was a whole group of us, and it it just I didn't want it to end. It it, it had just rained, and there was still mm. water dripping from the trees, and the sun was coming down, and the 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 um, humidity was coming up from the ground from from the heat and from the rain. And we're ziplining through the trees in the stillness. Oh, that sounds wonderful. you got to go to Puerto Rico and zipline. Yes, yep. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we're having a moment, ladies and gentlemen. It'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Write this down on my next bucket list. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, take a cruise that has ziplining in Puerto Rico. All right. And sign up for the zip line in Puerto Rico. Trust me, you'll you will absolutely love it. Love it, love it, I'm love sure it. I would. So see ladies and gentlemen, there's life is so much fun. If you Amen to that. Even with the responsibilities we have. It it just you grab it and you run with it. And speaking of running with it, <laughs> See how I just segue into that one. Yeah. Your first your your first book, I can't talk anymore, you got me so excited. Your first <laughs> book, the last time I checked, I was still here. Let's talk about that book because I I was reading about it and that book would have been perfect for that ninth grader. Yes, exactly. Yes it would have. So the, the, ladies and gentlemen, the synopsis goes, and and I know a lot of adults that are in this same uh, rat wheel. Finding yourself is important, but not if it kills you first. Seventeen-year-old Amy is done being bullied by her peers and ignored by her grieving father, so she buys a bus ticket and heads to the New Hampshire mountains. She goes to her nana, who helped her heal years before after her mother passed away. 
In this mountain sanctuary, Amy connects with her dead mother's past and begins to discover her real self. Nana tries to teach her that running from problems doesn't solve them, but Amy may not be ready to learn. Following in her mother's footsteps, Amy hoists a backpack and sets out to find her inner peace, but she still hasn't figured out how to control her impulsiveness. This very trait leads Amy to the edge of disaster where she has to fight with everything she has to survive. Irresistibly engaging. The last time I checked, I was still here is a journey of heartbreak, hope, and adventure in a that will leave you wanting more. That it just blows my mind because that ninth grade girl should have read that book. You're right. You're absolutely right. What led you to write that book? That book has been inside my heart for a long time. Um, ever since I was in high school, I wanted to, to through-hike the Appalachian Trail. It didn't happen. Life life has thrown some wrenches in that I couldn't take that long to do it. But but backpacking or getting out in the woods for me was that was that place. And we talked earlier that I sometimes need a hidey hole. I sometimes need to just to go and, and find, and I find peace there. And, and this story was about someone who was letting, letting the people around her determine her happiness. And she couldn't do that. And in the beginning, in the very beginning, she was getting bullied because she, she walked to a meadow and she's got these socks on it were full of burrs. When I was in seventh grade, people made fun of my socks once. I've never forgotten it. It devastated me because I wasn't the person then that I am now. Um, and, it, it, I mean, I never forgot that. And so that was written into that story. And, and as, that, as Amy takes her journey and makes some, some impulsive choices, she starts realizing that, you know, the big picture is more important than the small things. And, and those things that always worry us maybe aren't that big of a deal. And when you're out there in, in the real world, out in the mountains, and you're on a trail and you're feeling your soul start to relax and you're feeling things, you know, being good and peaceful, that's great. But you have to still kind of keep your wits around you because sometimes bad things happen. And, and for her, <laughs> they do. They really do. Um, so and, and in that story, there's another, another character, and it doesn't come out in the synopsis so much, but it's a young man who also is on a journey of grief because of something horrible that happened that he felt that he could have stopped and he didn't, and he's living with guilt. And so he also, he runs away to those mountains to try to get away from that guilt. And both of them have to figure out that, that nature is a place where you can heal and nature is a place where you can find peace, but you have to work out those problems. You have to realize, you know, what is real? What is it that you're making more important than it really is? And, you know, what is it that you need to learn to let go and move on and learn from? Say, okay, this is a mistake I made. I recognize the mistake. I own the mistake. But now it's finished. I'm going to learn from it. And now I'm going to take that next journey and that next step. And so, you know, writing that one was cathartic for me. I, I left a lot of childhood worries about socks or I wasn't good enough or I, you know, you know, all the things girls go through and, and embrace that person that I've become that, that says I like being outside and I, I like that journey and I, I like those steps that take me to the next, to the next place. But, but I also know that it isn't an answer. We were on the Appalachian Trail, my husband, my son and I, my youngest, 
um, we were just doing a, a two-day hike on the trail, and we were in a shelter. And the people that had been doing a through hike, they'd come up from Georgia, and we were now in North Carolina, Tennessee border. They'd been on a trail for months. And I asked a couple of them, because we were in a shelter, we were spending, you know, a night together. I said, um, why do you do this? And some of the people, oh, you know, I, I don't have a home. Well, he's in between college and a job or whatever. And everyone had their reasons. And there was a man there, an older man, and he goes, you know what, I don't know. Because every step I take is taking me away from the person I love. And I thought to myself, he's not going to finish the Appalachian Trail because he realizes that what he has back home is what he loves and where he belongs. He's not searching, trying to find an answer. So many people think the trail is going to give them the answer. It's not. It's going to, it's going to help them get centered. It's going to help them appreciate who they are. It may help them work through problems as they, as they get rid of the outside world and have a chance to think it through. But if you're searching for something, it's not going to give it to you. And this man realized that the best thing I have, my wife is sitting back home. You know? Now, I wouldn't doubt he goes and gets her, and maybe – Maybe they day hike some stuff. But he's like, I, I don't want to do this. Whereas other people, they're just casting about hoping to find something. So, so again, this, this story, this journey for her is that, you know, connecting with her mom and connecting with nature and learning how to work her way through those things and recognize, you know, how do I solve a problem without running? And, and two. thinking is good. Go ahead. And even though, even though, nature and the mountains and thinking and and getting your center back the flip side of that same coin is one always has to be on alert because there's dangers there's rattlesnakes there's exactly. bears there's there's fallen rocks there's there's tree roots there's ways to get hurt so you have to balance your center and recognize that there are people back home who love you and care for you and that you have to recognize that when you do something rash, they suffer with you. Amen. And so balance your impulsiveness. You want to go, and, and I've done some things that are maybe on the edge of being somewhat risky, but balance your impulsiveness, impulsiveness and risk factors with what is good and prudent and what you are trained for. And then make that choice. But remember, and, and you, we talked about cave diving before. My husband and I, you know, had done some cave diving. We both put that on the back burner when our youngest was born. Because our, we have 14 years difference, my oldest son and my youngest. So there was times that we played. But when that, that, that precious little innocent couldn't take care of himself baby came along, that's when the risk factor, okay, stop now. I have responsibilities. I'm not going to go be as risky anymore because I have a baby that needs me. Same idea. Yeah. You know where your priorities lay, and it didn't lay exactly. in cave diving. It in that life that you brought into the world. Right, right. Now, the so. second book, ladies and gentlemen, is just as amazing as the first book. It's called The Starfish Talisman, and this one just came out in April of this year. The Secrets of the Forbidden Fourth Floor. 17-year-old feisty Reagan James can't imagine spending a summer on the coast with an eccentric aunt she's never met. But then how bad could it be? The second she steps foot into the massive house on the cliffs, one thing is clear. Someone or something doesn't want her there. With every new encounter, Reagan realizes that there's more at stake than she could have imagined. Suddenly, the strange happenings and whispers from the forbidden... uh, fourth floor cannot be ignored now it's up to reagan to shift through all the lies to save herself from the evil that stalks her 
but will the jealous vengeance from the past destroy everything for the future? That's right up my alley. Now, where in the world did that one come from? So as I was a little girl, my mother used to tell me stories, and so did my grandmother, about things that had happened to them. There was a house that my mother lived in when she was young, the house on Crittenden Avenue. That's what we always called it, the house on Crittenden. And there were wolves that lived under the dining room table. My mother saw them. They were there, and they snarled. And she was terrified of them. She'll tell you to this day that the wolves were under the table. In fact, she was really upset with me when I wrote the story because the wolves, my wolves that are under the dining room table have red eyes. And she said, no, no, Robin Lark, they have, they have, um, they have yellow eyes. You have, that's wrong. I said, no, no, those are Maine wolves. <laughs> they have red eyes. So, so, and, and, and there were stories, all kinds of stories when I was a kid about, about strange happenings that my, my grandmother told me about. And so that all kind of wrapped up into this story. And I have this thing, when I start writing, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't, I don't plan it out. I don't have an outline. I sit down and I write. And as I'm writing, my head goes, oh, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. Or who is this person? This new uh-huh. character, who is this? And that's how I write. And so all of this came from these, these things from my past. And I've got to tell you the weirdest, creepiest thing. So when I had just finished it and I was in the editing process, my mother had fallen. My mom's old, um, older and she has Parkinson's disease. So she's having a really bad time of it. And she had fallen and was in the nursing home. And I was telling her about this story. And she looked at me and she said, I said something about the fourth floor. She goes, why did you do that? I had, you, you know about my dreams? You know about the dreams of the fourth floor and the, people, the person on the fourth floor? And I said, what are you talking about, Mom? And my mother told me these dreams she was having about this fourth floor and about this, this demon that was up there. I'm like, all right, you're creeping me out because I wrote this story about this fourth wow. floor. Wow. And she knew. She, <laughs> this is kind of a little bit personal, but my mother, my, myself, and my grandmother – who's no longer with us, we all have a mole in the same spot. Um, and my mother and grandmother had a do- another mole on their back in the same spot. Well, my mother was at a um, a formal, you know, back in the 50s, and she had those beautiful, you know, back then the dresses were all beautiful. Uh-huh. My grandmother scratched her mole at the house, and it was bleeding, and my mother's mole started bleeding at the dance. So we're all very connected without sounding too crazy and not losing my teaching license. Um, and, no, I oh. understand. I truly understand. <laughs> I get it. So that, so you get it. And so that's where this story came from, all of those fun things that, that kind of circled around. And, and the house is a com- – in the story, the house is a combination of my, my aunt's house um, that she grew up in and the house of Crittenden um, as far as the layout and the floor area. So – it, no, it, ladies it was so much fun to write. Y'all can't go get the books yet because we're not done yet. Shortly, shortly, <laughs> and and about, I'm fixing to tell her. Yeah, I'm I'm just hang on. You're not gonna believe this, but our hours almost up. That's astounding. I told you. Yeah, did I tell you you, you would did. say that? <laughs> you did. It's astounding. I was having so much fun. Well, well will you come back? Absolutely. If you'll have me, I will absolutely come back. All right. You got some new books coming out? 
I am actually working on a series right now, and it's it's not young adult. This is a, my first women's fiction. Um, I've got the first one written, and it's kind of being held off um, as I work on the. I am as soon as I get back from Canada, I'm going to hit it hard and hopefully have the releases by fall um, for at least the first two. So, so if I bring totally you back in January, they'll be out by then, right? They they should be absolutely. Oh, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, this is so amazing. I'm so excited. Okay, since we're about to run out of time, will you tell the folks where you can be found? Okay, so um, I have a website, www.lartgriffing.com. I'm also on Facebook, Lark Griffing, um, and my books are on, on Amazon right now, exclusively on Amazon. So that's where you can get those. And, yes, you will come back. And, and yes, what will, will happen, Laura, you, you will get a following on this show. That's exciting. So um, I, I want you to be a regular because your stories are amazing. You have just your life is amazing. Uh, it's just little old me in my life. I just have fun. There's a lot we of people who fun. do what I do. <laughs> well, see, I love to camp, and we've talked about the, the zip lining. I love to camp, love to do zip lining. I love to ride horses, love to ride motorcycles, but I've never scuba dived. I, want, I told you I wanted to skydive, and, and the guy that I was going to skydive with, he owned a chute too late, and it almost killed him. So that ended that, that thought. But yeah. We, kayaking, just there's all kinds of things we can talk about it, about your life. So, yes, you'll come back, ladies and gentlemen. We will start back up next Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Eastern Daylight Time. I don't have the list of the guests in front of me, but I guarantee you they are. No, it won't be Wednesday night because Wednesday night is the 4th of July. We'll start back up on Thursday night. But there will be amazing guests. And, and Lark will come back. She's got an adult series she's working on. Go and get her two books. The... Uh, the last time I checked, I was still here, and the Starfish Talismans, but don't go yet because you know I've got some things to say. And and the thing that I say is people will forget your name. They'll forget what you're wearing. They may even forget what you look like. But they will never, ever, ever forget how you've made them feel. And I hope and pray that every one of you understand that you're the most important person to me because this is your show. It is not my show. I'm just the facilitator, and y'all have taken the show and made it great, and I am forever humbled and grateful, listener and guest alike. And if you want to achieve greatness, ladies and gentlemen, please stop asking permission because nobody's going to give it to you. Just go out and get it. And it doesn't matter if you want to be the local garbage man, if you want to be the local if you want to be the president, if you want to be a writer, whatever it is, go out and do it. Because not to have tried it is to have failed. Would you say that's a fair statement, Lark? Absolutely. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Thank you, my darling. And thank you so much for being here. I so much appreciate you spending an hour with me because it flew by. I learned a lot. Can't wait to have you back. Thank you for having me. I can't wait to come back. You are so welcome. So, ladies and gentlemen, understand this. Life is short, laugh uncontrollably, love unconditionally, and love yourself. Be kind to yourself like yourself. And with that being said, I want to say that we all appreciate you being here. Support the station, support Lark, 
and we will see you back again on Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. Lark, don't hang up when the show goes dark because i got some things to, to talk to you about. Um, but join us again Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time here at Off the Chain when once again, who knows what journey we take in the hour. Anything is possible and all is highly probable. So join us at 8 o'clock off the chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, Lark Griffin. Go and check out her books, and we will see you all again on next Thursday night. Good night. Okay, now like I told you before the show started, as soon mm-hmm. as we get off here, the single archive, I'm going to put it up on my page, and then I'm going to tag you with it on Facebook. Okay. Take it and put it on your on your blog, put it on your website, put it on all your pages on Facebook and share it. And then tomorrow I'll put it up on Spreaker and it'll go up on SoundCloud, it'll go up on Podcast.com, Podcast Garden, iTunes, YouTube, uh, FM.com, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Reverb Nation. Jeez. And YouTube. Okay. All right. So you're going to get all kinds of exposure, my friend. That's amazing. This was so much fun. Thank you. You made my no, night. Oh, thank you. I feel like I babbled at first, but, but, oh, I had so much fun. Thank you. I can't thank you enough. This was wonderful. Good. So, see, it wasn't all that bad. Uh-uh. You had anxiety <laughs> attacks for nothing. <laughs> exactly. And when the call dropped, I about died. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, that's why we call it off the chain. Things happen. You just call back in. It's no big deal. I'll carry the show. You yep. get back to me. It's no problem. Yep. No just problem at all. It. Just exactly. Right. You just roll with it, my darling. So I will let you tell your family thank you for letting me have an hour of your time. Go enjoy the rest of your weekend. And when we convene in January, I want to hear all about your trip to Canada. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Happy Fourth of July to you. If you, I know you celebrate that. So. Absolutely. God bless yes, I America. Do know that. I've listened, God bless, I've listened yes. to your show, God Bless America. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, darling. And we'll talk. And is it easier to get you on Facebook to give you the dates for January or to email them to you? Or both? Um, Facebook is good. Just face, uh, Facebook is excellent. Okay. I will do it. I'll send you All a right. message. Thank All right, you. Talk to you later. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.